the 19th Hole Podcast presented by Golf Talk Live and brought to you by Perfect Practice Putting Mat, Yips, and Survivor Golf Tee. How do you measure yourself with other golfers? By height. It's a very, very special honor. I'm Paula Creamer, and you're listening. Well, we're waiting. Hi, this is Martin Cove, a.k.a. John Kreese from Cobra Kai, and you're listening to Golf Talk Live. Let the word go out from here across the land. Let Daddy Noonan uh, approve. And welcome to another edition of Golf Talk Live, 19th Hole Podcast. I am Alan DePew. I am joined by our my illustrious panel of co-hosts, Brendan Elliott. Brendan, hello. How you doing? How you doing, hello. bud? <laughs> and Andy Hydorn. Greetings, sir. Gentlemen, good to be with you tonight. We are recording on Tuesday, March 8th. We are on the cusp, and that's important. The show will be released on Wednesday morning. But what's interesting is what happens Wednesday morning. The GOAT gets his due. Yes. I'm talking about Tiger Woods' introduction into the World Golf Hall of Fame. Uh, The big cat will be up in St. Augustine. He is being introduced by Sam, his daughter. Um, I have an interesting comment about that. We're going to jump into that in a second. but. Uh, Andy, take it. We're gonna just. We're, we're, I should also add. I'm, I'm gonna stumble over my words here, guys. Christian's on assignment. Actually, he's playing golf in Hilton Head. <laughs> Bobby, he's probably picking the range down at uh, Trident Golf Club. And Andrew is probably selling tickets for the Rochester Americans right now. So, <laughs> folks, you only got the three of us tonight, but you know, we carry them all the time anyway. So. <laughs> Andy, what's your thoughts about the big cat going in the hall? Well, I'm not sure he really belongs in the Hall of Fame, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that's the um, angle. Yes, that's 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 the angle I'm taking here. <laughs> um, no, it's it's you know it's one of those things where the rarity of of nobody ever talks about Tiger Woods outside of the two best players of all time. Um, you can pick Jack if you want. You can pick Tiger if you want. I don't care. Those are those are arguments that are are played out in every sport. But but um, you know, I feel lucky to have lived during a time where I saw a large amount of Jack's career um, and the entirety of Tiger's career. And and Tiger's just an amazing an amazing person. He's changed the sport. Um, he's got a ton of new followers to the game. Um, the amount of things he's done for the game of golf outside of, of how he's played it, um, has been astounding. Um, and I, and I, I, I feel like an idiot saying, you know, he, he's a well-deserved member <laughs> into the hall of fame. Well, of course he is, but <laughs> Um, actually they probably it should have been tiger and tiger alone if they really wanted to make a bold statement but i mean right. you you feel lucky we all feel lucky and blessed to be able to you know watch his talent obviously all the guys on tour and we're going to quote phil mickelson we may we may mention him again in the second piece here but uh <laughs> um phil mickelson's you know hey he's he's glad for tiger his sam made a lot of money because of tiger as did everybody that's out there I'm going to spin it a different way, and that's exactly what I'm going to talk about. Brendan, is he the last great shaper of the golf ball? Ooh, that's an angle I didn't think of. I, I, I'm coming at you from left field. I actually have notes this this week, guys. Well, I, there's several ways you can look at that. Um, today's game really doesn't lend itself because of technology for the most part of seeing what we used to see from, from him – for me, I, I was a big Corey Pavin fan back in the day. I thought he was a guy that could really move move the ball either way. But but most of those guys could, and it was a necessity. So, you know, fast forward 30 years later, guys take straight lines and hit it 350. I mean, it, working the ball isn't isn't something that I think is a necessity anymore. Yeah, it's, bom- it's, it. bombing, it's bombing gouge, right? Yeah, yeah. So is he one of the last great ones? Yeah, I mean, think back to the bunker shot. What was the bunker shot two years ago out of the the fairway bunker? Where he was that Mexico? 
Was it what? I, maybe that was Mexico. Was that Mexico? Where he, I know the I know it's it's played all the time. You find you yeah. see it everywhere. Where he he literally must have cut that thing about a hundred yards. Yeah, and it, and it hit the green and spun dead right down like a foot and a half from the hole. Right. Yeah. It's just like like Andy said. You know, on the golf course, I don't know if there's anybody that you can compare him to record wise. Jack's up there. I'm a big Jack fan. You know, I look. I was looking over Andy's shoulder for those. You know, you're listening to this, but we're on Zoom together, and I've had interactions with Jack and with Arnie, like personal interactions. Three or three on and with Arnie, one for 20 minutes, which was insane having a conversation with him. And Jack's helped us with our little linksters Pee Wee golf swing four or five times. So I've had interactions with him, and you don't get that close to a Tiger Woods. But I did have one interaction with him. I think it was one of the last years they had the the uh, Children's Miracle Network at Disney. Right. Um, at the time, my brother was a writer for Golf Week, so he he got me into the press press area. But I couldn't go into the press room. I'm just standing out in the hallway um, waiting for him. And then Tiger comes in, and Tiger posts up up against the wall right next to me, and I was like, "Oh shit," you know. <laughs> And th- this is still early in his career, but he still has done amazing things at that point. And he he says, "Were you out there watching any any golf today?" I turn <laughs> and look. I go, "Of course." He goes, "Well, who are you watching?" I go, "Do you really have to ask that question?" <laughs> and that was my Tiger story. But it's funny, you know. We just had the Arnold Palmer Invitational. You get a lot of stories about people having interactions with with Arnie, and Tiger just never let us in. But that, to me, being a huge Tiger fan, that's just well, part of the mystery. I'm gonna, I'm gonna jump in. I'm gonna jump in there, and I'll actually throw bat it back over to Andy. There was an interesting post on social media today. Okay, and I'm gonna, I'm, I don't want to go controversial. Yeah, I'm gonna go a little controversial. <laughs> the post was how great it was that Sam was going to be the person introducing his her father into the Hall of Fame. And one of the respondents was, can we forget about 2009 as being a dad? Oh, how is Tiger viewed? We know Tiger early on, and, and no one can debate his talent. But how is Tiger, the roller coaster of Tiger, the PR of Tiger, we've been talking about Phil for the last two weeks, Andy, how is Tiger? Do we do we because we're immersed into golf view it as Tiger the talent, or what about Tiger the person? Are we seeing the different Tiger now today? Do we forget? Is America short have short term memory? Are we like Dory from Finding Nemo, <laughs> and we have short term memory loss and we forget about you know, or is or is Tiger a punchline for some certain jokes? Well, I have a couple of couple of points here um one of them uh to the to the comment about you know tiger being a dad i think it's it's completely unfair to judge tiger as a father um in a negative way i mean i we don't we don't know what he's like we see what he's like um from the snippets that we see but i mean you could you could make a judgment of tiger as a husband to elon yeah um, but as a father, I mean, that's completely unfair to me, completely unfair. Um, that's one thing. Um, I, I know, agree with that because if they, if they had saw me, how I used to yell at Andrew sometimes when <laughs> I was on the hockey bench, <laughs> yeah, I would yeah, not win right. dad of the year. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I, I think another interesting evolution for, for the man has just been how he's reacted and interacted really with his peers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as he's gotten older, um, he's had a really nice evolution of the way that, that, you know, he seems to, to a have the respect of all his, his peers. Um, where some of the other guys that we were talking about last week, for example, may not have that same respect. Um, but Tiger seemingly does. Um, and he's, you know, the Kevin Na incident, uh, you know, walking awesome. his putt in the hole, yep. um, you know, his relationship with Justin Thomas, 
um, there's a serious love out there that goes both ways, apparently, um, between Tiger and the other guys and the other guys to Tiger. Um, and I think for a long time, Tiger was, to your point, Brendan, Tiger didn't let anyone in and he was a, a bit of a recluse, um, seemingly so. But I don't know. I love, I love that he's evolved this way. I think it's great. I know, I know there are several other great players that have walked the fairways of this game in the last 50 years that don't have that same dynamic that Tiger has with his peers. Brennan, let me just before you before you chime in, let me just throw <laughs> these at you because I've always been the stat guy, right? 82, 82 tour wins, 15 majors, 683 weeks atop the number world number one ranking. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And when you compare great players of different eras, and we do it in every sport. I, I don't really know if you, if it's a, f a fair comparison in a lot of respects, um, whether it's NBA and, you know, we focus on golf um, because their situations are so different. Like when, when Jack was coming up and, you know, was, was there the depth that there is today? I, no, but there was a lot of really good players at the top back then too. Um, you've seen the battles with, with, Phil and you, you know VJ for a stretch there was incredible. The the run VJ was on when when Tiger was more or less still in his prime, um, but there was never any doubt over the last you know twenty five years who who the best player from from wins from ball striking from imagination from hyping the crowd up. He he's hands down the best at that. I mean I love like I said I love Arnie. And Arnie was good then, but, you know, one other point to today's game and these players there and thanks, thanks to Arnold Palmer, they're, they're in the endorsements that they get and the celebrity that they have, you know, and then throw in social media that's come into the fold the last 15 years. There, there, there's a lot of really good people at, um, showing their personality and sharing with the fans and you know tiger as andy said has gotten much better with that um but on the flip side you know when you go through some stuff and walk in the shit you're under that same microscope and yep. you know we could look at some of those greats from the 50s 60s 70s and who's to say they wouldn't be you know the punchline of jokes because of things they did we just never knew about it you know oh, I, i've said that all along i mean that 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 uh, social media, the, the words travel around the globe in milliseconds. And I mean, you could even look at, I don't want to go completely political with what what's going on in Europe right now, but do we know about it as much as if it was the 1940s with World War right. II? With, no chance. I mean, it, it's happening in milliseconds now. Social media, this, the social media is changing the game and how we view our those people we put on pedestals and obviously on the pedestal tomorrow. And again, we'll, we're going to move on in the, in the words of Jay Monaghan, but on the pedestal tomorrow, uh, uh, Tiger Eldrick, congratulations, kudos from everybody here. Not that we had anything to do with it, but uh, <laughs> kudos on your election to the hall. And as I said, moving on Jay Monaghan today, the presser down at uh, Sawgrass for uh, for the Players Championship, but it was also a little bit of a state of the state of the tour, state of the union event. And his exact words were "moving on," quote unquote, and went on to say about the the Saudi league threat. And he declined to me uh, mention if Phil has been suspended. Uh, he actually went on to say that he actually has not spoken to Phil. Uh, that Phil has announced that he's taking a step away and that uh, they would cross that bridge when the, I have the exact quote. I have not talked to Phil since he made his comments. And since he said he was stepping away, I think the ball is in his court. I would welcome a phone call from him, but it's hard for me to talk about the different scenarios that could play out. Uh, which one of you boys wants it first? I'll go. Um, <laughs> I, uh, 
I thought I thought the funniest part of the whole deal today was Rory kind of kind of uh you yeah. know criticized the tour a little bit for not being transparent enough with and he was specific about suspensions. Um which I think is really interesting. Um and and Jay Monahan's comeback was pretty funny. He's like, did Rory really say that? He goes, All right, he's suspended. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, but on a serious note, what he really said was, you know, Rory's on our players board. And if, if they think that suspensions, um, need to be more transparent to the public, then we'll certainly have a discussion about it, which to me leads me to believe that that's a player decided thing, not a, not a, you know, administration decided thing. So. I thought that was interesting. And, and, you know, I'll just finish by saying, um, you know, he kind of lobbed the ball in Phil's court and I'm sure, you know, when Phil's ready, that whole pot's going to boil again and we'll all know a little bit more about what's going on. Well, that's it. I mean, that's the interesting thing. A lot of people don't realize that the tour is for the players. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the, sure, there it is a it's big business, no doubt. But the players are basically the it's a it's a private club, if you will, yep. <laughs> with the players uh, dictating the the direction. So, uh, Brendan, you got any thoughts on Mr. Monahan? Well, I, I I just felt like obviously he was a little bit more straightforward and to the point, and almost I, almost stern. It seemed like in the comments. Um, but I he think was de- he was of, definitely very selective in how he, he talked. Right. Yeah. And, and I feel like it's just another, at least to me, it's just another example of how well, since, since he's been the commissioner that he handles things. I mean, you look back to co- the COVID situation and how the PGA tour was really at the forefront of the whole sports community, professional sports community on how they handled things. Um, right here at the players. I mean, that's where it really, where the shit started to hit the fan. Um, and I think that it, he, he uh, and, and the executives and I'm sure the players had a lot to do with that. Um, they did a really solid job. So this is just another example of him being a great leader uh, of not just their organization, but, you know, uh, from a business standpoint, I think how professional sports should be ran. And, and to, to Andy's point, it is this this week, especially you, you get the focus on the players and it's their tour. They're independent contractors. You know, they can call their own shots. They can schedule how they want to schedule. But they, I, I feel based on everything that's happened over the last couple of weeks with with Phil's comments and, you know, there's others that may have made a comment here and there. Um, I, I feel like they get treated really, really well. And he was talking about legacy. He he talked about that in the press conference. I was just, I was literally looking for that quote right now as as you were talking yeah. that you know he he literally chose the words of Phil from Phil's statement right yep. and spun it back around on him about legacy and the legacy of 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 competing. We we're just talking about Tiger, the annals of you know how he's perceived in golf's history. You know. It is about legacy. You, yeah. you're, you, whether you're walking into Augusta National or you're lifting lifting the claret jug. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's, uh, you know, I, I just I I was thinking about what Roy was saying, you know, to, about backtracking maybe a little bit on his harshness to to Phil. Um, if Phil's sincere about what some of the things, at least some of the things he said in his statement. Which you know, I I think he is. I, I mean, he's 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 felt the the hurt of losing sponsors, and so there's you can look at it from that standpoint. But I think he's sincere, and I and I I feel like he'll be back, and and I think he deserves. Tiger Tiger had some awful things that happened to him personally, and things that um, that got out there and made people look at him a different way. And he's come back, you know, and, and he's showing a different side of himself. And I, I think Phil will, he'll be back. And again, I told you a couple episodes ago that I'm not the biggest Phil fan, but he kind of won me over at the PGA and some other things. 
Um, and I, I'm actually rooting for the guy that, you know, he can kind of bounce back here soon. So we usually save this to the end, but since we're right here, we, we're talking about the Players' Championship. Who do you guys got? Well, since I picked Daniel Berger last week to win <laughs> the, the, <laughs> the MasterCard, uh, it appears he didn't play. So, uh, yeah, I was, I was uh, struggling to find his name on the leaderboard there. Um, it happened to it happened to Andrew uh last year. Don't worry about it, Andy. Yeah, okay. Well, it'll happen again to me, I promise you that. <laughs> um I don't know. I think I think the players ends up producing a great champion every year. Um every once in a while somebody comes to the forefront that that you least expect. Um, but wow, I mean, you know, you look at at you know, guys like Rom, who's been playing great. And um, I don't know. I, I, I just think that, that the players produces a, a deserving champion every year, which is good. So John Rom's my pick. Well, I'm sticking with my man. I'm going to make it real simple. Hovland, once again, I think he should have gotten it done. We're going to talk about that in a second, but I think he should have gotten it done last week, but Brendan, what do you got? Well, one of the big factors up there is the conditions of the golf course. We've seen it a couple of years ago where they almost lost the golf course. For all intents and purposes, they did lose the golf course. And I think a third round, third round scoring average the year I'm thinking of, and I don't remember what year it was. It was like in the mid-70s or something. And somebody mm -hmm. shot a 67 that day, too. I can't remember who it was. But so I'm I know here in Orlando it's supposed to be pretty wet. You know, now I'm looking at like Jacksonville right now, Thursday, 94% of storms, Friday, 92% of rain, Saturday, 96% of rain. Wow. Interesting by the way. Hey, interesting by that. I, I was again, uh, watching some, uh, some social media things and they were talking, they, they were showing the, the tournament committee discussing how to handle the inclement weather and pin placements on 17. Yeah. You know, do you put, do you put them down low on low left there? If you're getting get that much rain, knowing that that's probably where it's going to most of that rain's draining to. And, and you know, the, it was an interesting conversation. If anybody, uh, I think it was on PGA, uh, the Twitter feed for uh, the PGA tour. If anybody wants to check that out. Yeah. No, I, who's going to win? The golf course is going to win. <laughs> but, <laughs> like it always does. But I, I'm really in, impressed with Scotty. You know, I mean, Bay Hill played extraordinarily difficult <laughs> over the weekend, which I loved seeing Carnage. I just love that. Um, uh, and, and he handled it. He handled it really don't, well. So I don't think, we all, I mean, really, I mean, do we, don't yeah. we all really, there's a part of me of all of us that are like, yeah, they're chopping it around, but we chop it around all the time. So we feel, we take some solace in the fact that they're struggling. Of course we'd shoot 90. Oh yeah. yeah, but it, but it, you know, to that point, it it irritates me that that you know that doesn't happen more often, right? Yeah. You know, it, I, I I don't know if you guys remember, but but not last year, but the year before um, the COVID abbreviated year, um, they played two tournaments in a row at at um, Muirfield Village. Right. Remember yep. that? And by the second one. The conditions were so bad um, and so difficult that I, the scores were were really really high. Um, and and to me, like I think I think that's that's a great way to test guys and and have them deal with a different mindset, have them deal with with different things. And to your point, Brendan, Scotty Scheffler, and he even said it, he drove it terribly on Sunday mm -hmm. terribly and the rough was really difficult there, but you know what he did? He kept getting it back into play yep. or gouging it well, on the green with a wedge for his third shot on a par four and making a putt. Yep. Andy, I'm gonna, I, I don't want to interrupt you, but I was actually, I'm going to flip flop because I was going to save Scotty Scheffler every week. Uh, folks, we're going to try to bring you, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be sitting here with people that know the golf swing a hell of a lot better than I know the golf swing. Mine is usually fire and fall back, but um, <laughs> Scotty Scheffler got a little credit, whether it was criticism or good poking, 
Faldo was talking about his happy feet. Break down his golf swing, guys, because Andy, I personally think Scotty Scheffler won the tournament on number 15 with exactly as you said. He yeah. gouged it out, makes that 40 footer. And I think that I think he won the tournament on that hole. So, so just a little point before we talk about his golf swing. So on that hole, he drives it left and he's in the pine straw. He's in the pine needles, yep. And they showed a slow motion view of his second shot. He didn't even hit the club face. He he center cut the <laughs> golf ball on the hosel. I mean, if you get a chance to watch that again, he literally it wasn't a shank. It wasn't on the on the right side of the hosel. It was center cut on the hosel, and the thing just dribbled forward. But my God, it, and you're right, Alan. That that hole was kind of indicative of hey, it's his week, right? Yeah, um, he's gonna win. Um, but but talking about his because I believe Hovland made made bogey on that hole. Right, I yes. think he did. Yeah. yeah. Hovland was sitting perfect, carries it over the green, doesn't get it up and down. Actually, no, I'm sorry. That was the hole he knocked it in the bunker in the back, almost jars it out of right, the bunker, right. gets a face full of sand, but can't make the putt. I mean, okay. But By the way, Hovland's my new favorite player because when, <laughs> when he gets a microphone in front of him, he goes, my chipping sucks. I, <laughs> I need to chip better. But he's always smiling. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it, um, he's, got the Matt, he's got the Matt Kuchar uh, award for that also. I can totally relate to having uh, your chipping suck. I can <laughs> totally relate to that. Brendan, break down his swing. Well, before I get to that, I, I want to touch on, and I wasn't wasn't able to be with you guys last week. I, I understand the position, the Golf Channel, or some of the other um, folks that bring us the game have to have people in their commentary that play a certain role. And Brando plays that role for the Golf Channel of getting ultra deep into player swings and whether criticizing or praising certain things about him. And that drives me insane. I don't dislike Brando at all. I think he's a very smart uh, person as far as the golf swing is concerned. He's their Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he's playing a role. Like, so I don't dislike him, but it drives me insane that they have to nitpick the best players in the world that might have a little bit of a thing that's unique to them with their golf swing. And it isn't this off the uh, assembly line golf swing that everybody seems to want to have well, for amateurs. But this was, this was, sir, this was Sir Nick. And, and I mean, and I didn't hear the comment, sir. So sir well, it was a, it was a it was a t Twitter comment that he made, and, okay. and again, social media. You don't know if was he being playful? Was he just was sure. he what 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 was his you know the meaning behind it? But the methodical way that Sir Nick went about his game maybe yeah. doesn't work for a guy like Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, yeah, and I, and and frankly, Sir Nick's greatest rival in his era, feet. Moved just like Scotty Scheffler's feet, yeah. Greg Norman. Yeah, right. that's what I was going to say. That, that yeah. if you want to talk about, you know, what they're doing on the ground and moving around, and and I don't care about that stuff. They repeat their swing. The best players in the world that are making millions of dollars repeat. So they to the great, great to the average guy, and again, Andy, your stick, Brendan, you teach golfers every day, every all ages. The average guy out there. What do they take away from watching these guys and watching? Because here's Scheffler, he moves. That's easy what they take away. Okay. They take away that these guys, to Andy's point, can get in crap and get out of crap and get out of there with a par and no worse. They limit the damage. The, and I already mentioned how it's bomb and gouge. So they're, you know, they're only hitting what was the stat I put in that article? I just wrote 61% of fairways is the average for PGA tour versus 75% for LPGA tour. That was foreshadowing folks. That's yes. next on our show list. <laughs> <laughs> they, they know where their misses are, but they know how to get out of trouble. And that's what amateurs don't seem to get the point of the best players in the world being the best players in the world is they know their game. They know their limitations and they know that the most important thing, and you know, you hear this all the time, is what you do from 100 yards and in. If you miss a green, if you're getting up and down or not getting up and down, how you roll the rock on the putting green, 
Those are the things where amateurs can improve, not by breaking down people's swings who swing 120 miles per hour. That, right. You're not going to get anywhere with that. Right. And two times, two times in the last four holes, Scotty Scheffler tried to get his ball from trouble back into the fairway and didn't succeed. Mm-hmm. On 15 and 16, both times he tried to get it back into play and left it in the rough. Yeah. And guess what? He parred both holes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Shows you shows you just how good they are from, yep. you know, once they get a wedge in their hand. Yep. And, and, you know, again, I, I, I see it every day at the golf course. I got I actually got one of our guys that he all he wants to talk about how he's bombing it. And I love him, by the way. He's, <laughs> he's one of my best employees there. But uh, whenever I go to the range, I take three clubs, wedge, seven iron and the driver. And usually I hit about three balls with the driver. The rest of the time, it's wedges, 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 and more wedges, tempo. Tempo and try to get some some degree of footwork. <laughs> get Scotty Scheffler's footwork. <laughs> I, well, I got it, but I just don't have his talent. <laughs> All right, Brendan, you did mention it. You're gonna, you foreshadowed. You jumped right ahead. You wrote a great article. We are big. We, we are so supportive of the LPGA. We think they need even a greater voice. There's so much talent out there, and we want to be that voice. So you had actually written an article. Uh, Jin Young Ko just won this past weekend. Please share with everybody those that didn't, or actually share where they can see the article, but share a little bit about that, and it's going to tie right in because we're going to have a Tony Leodora sighting here in a few minutes. Ooh, good. Um, I've been freelancing for PGA.com uh well the masters will be a year uh this year um and you know i love writing i love sharing my experiences but i also love trying to tie in what's going on on the professional tours and what what golfers can take from that and you know uh, when when somebody goes 13 straight rounds in the 60s and 30 straight rounds under par you know people would when i say people amateur golfers might automatically go right to Oh, they must hit the ball a long way. That almost seems to be like the automatic assumption when somebody's able to to be consistently low from a scoring standpoint. And what I wrote about was how, for as long as I've been coaching, I always think the best players from a professional standpoint for men, women, kids to to try to emulate and and follow from a swing standpoint is the, the pros on the LPGA tour. They swing within themselves. Um, they hit, like I said earlier, the, the average fairways hit percentage for, for the ladies is 75%. And for the men, it's 61%. Now, when you're hitting at 340 yards, you know, and you're hitting a shorter club into the green, granted, there's some merit to what the guys do. But, you know, Ginny and Co hit 258 yards off the tee in 2021. And I think most most amateur men can hit it that far. Um, not most, a, a good percentage. But they can't, they'd have no idea if they're going to be in the left rough and the trees on the right or what's going on. Because they're all trying way too hard to try to hit it as hard as they can and as far as they can. And I just, I don't see... And, and Andy's a much better player than me. I'm a coach. I don't play. I hardly ever play. So I'm not the greatest player. But I can go out there with my students and grab three or four clubs and make a par on a hole because I know my limitations, but I also know what it takes to score. And people get confused with golf swing and playing the game. And I preach that all the time. You, you remember, you remember, I was, this is way back, turning back the clock. I think it was Golf Digest, one of them. They, they put up, how far do you need to hit the ball? And this is even before technology. That. Yeah. In order to have a scratch handicap, and it actually broke it all down. People would be amazed that that study said that to play at a scratch level, you need to only hit it like 250 yards off the tape. Yeah. Yep. Andy, what say you? No, I I, th- I think those are those are real points there, and and I, I don't think you're going to change the way that that 
amateurs approach golf, especially my favorite group of golf bros. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because, because it's, it's, that's what, that's what they're into and that's what excites them. And, and it really, to Brendan's point, it really has nothing to do with, with how accomplished they are as a player. So, you know, one of the things that I do for work is I, I consume a lot of content, coaching content and golf content really. And TikTok is, is like just a, a vast ocean of stuff. And our boy, Brendan over here is getting pretty good at it. Yeah, he is. He is. I'm just, I never wanted to dip my toe into that, but it's, it's I'm in awesome. there and it's fun. TikTok golf is Dude, awesome. you, you did you, you dip, you jumped all in. <laughs> I did. You were TikTok in the deep end. Awesome. There, there's no <laughs> doubt about it, but but, you know, you see there's there's a lot of coaches on TikTok, but there's also a lot of a lot of golf bros on TikTok, too. And and, you know, a lot of guys are, are you know, kind of entertaining and and they're they're having a good time. But, you know, at the end of the day, everyone's everyone's, you know, been infiltrated with the information about things such as club speed and ball speed and and everybody's, you know just so enamored with all that stuff that that is what it is right now. I think the people who really can appreciate the things that are really important to the game of golf and to being a good player uh, are things like distance control and, and, you know, accuracy and, and those things. And, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, however you want to look at it, those are things that people don't care about, but those are the finer points of being a better player. And, and, you, and you know what, because I, I can't tell you how many times I go into clubs and even when I first initially got with Eagle at Eagle Ridge, the lost thing for the amateur golfer, fun. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Now, I've, been a, I've been a proponent about tee it, play it forward for years. I mean, we shortened one nine at the golf course by 350 yards just so people could have a chance to be actually able to reach greens. Yeah. I mean, make it fun again. And you play yeah, that's, that's absolutely important. But again, my golf bros, what they love <laughs> to do is they love to all go back to the back tees. They love to all sit there and talk to each other as they hit every shot. They gather around, they watch each other. They have comments. They have, you know, they don't, it, it's a totally different experience. And, and it doesn't really matter to them. Like to them having fun is, is, you know, ribbing each other and, and, you know, it's, a, it's a different thing. They're, they're not necessarily having fun. Like you want them to have fun, Alan, you want them to have fun because they're being successful and enjoying the game more. You know, these guys are out there just, you know, it's a different deal. It's a different, different group. Um, the way they approach things. And well, I'll tell you what, you know, who has fun? Tony Leodora. The traveling golfer himself. Let's go ahead and bring him in now. He is down at Howie in the Hills, and he is joined by Mike Nichols. Tony, take it away. Well, we've made it to Howie in the Hills. If you have no idea where that is, a lot of people have the same idea. It is uh, northwest of Orlando in the hill country of Florida, and I'm sure a lot of people didn't realize there's hill country. But when you get here, you find a really nice resort, and you find an old friend, Mike Nichols, chief business officer for what is now the Epson LPGA Tour. And Mike, it's been a couple of years since we talked, and those were the days when the then Symmetra Tour was playing in the Valley Forge area at Ravensclaw, and we had a great time for a couple of years. Absolutely, uh, it was a great opportunity. It was a great opportunity for us to be playing in the in the Northeast. You know, I'm from New Jersey originally, so any opportunity to sort of get back home to that part of the country uh, is great. And so, um, had a great couple of years runs there at, uh, at Ravensclaw, and certainly are always looking for uh, ways to get back to sort of Valley Forge in that sort of New York, Philly uh, metro area. Wouldn't that be a great thing? And I know you have a good ally and. Bob Davis, the owner of Raven's Claw, and he has been working to try and find that right sponsor for an event to bring it back there. And 
uh, if anybody can get it done, I'm sure Bob can. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, since we were there, we've we've had a tremendous uh, growth on the on the tour. I can't remember what our average purse was even just a couple of years ago, but um, now the average uh, excuse me the minimum purse on our tour we're playing for two hundred thousand dollars, and average purses are a little more than that. And uh, we play twenty one times around the country, so we've got a pretty full schedule. And then, as you mentioned, with Epson coming aboard, replacing Symmetra, uh, new five year uh, partner, but with a global footprint. And so, uh, you know, with that partnership emanating from Japan, it really spoke a lot to the success we've had on the tour, given that a Japanese company for a tour that plays exclusively in the United States said, hey, that's something that we want to put our name on. And I think it was probably the fact that we have members from, you know, 40 countries coming from all over the globe to try to find their way onto the LPGA Tour. It was just a good fit for what they're trying to achieve with their with their brand in terms of uh, elevating women. Well, speaking of the schedule, you're here at Howie in the Hills to promote an event that will be played at Mission Inn, a great 36-hole facility uh, in the hills of Florida. Yeah, th- this is a golf course that I, you know, sort of call an oasis. It's so close to Orlando. It's probably 30 minutes outside of downtown Orlando. But when you get here, you just feel like you're in, like I said, an oasis. You don't realize how close you are to Orlando. Beautiful 36-hole facility. they got a first-class golf course that, you know, for us, that's what is important is that we're playing on golf courses that are LPGA Tour caliber as we're trying to identify the next generation of LPGA Tour stars. So the El Campeon golf course here... As you reference a little bit, the hill country, you know, this used to be, I'm sure, or, uh, you know, orange groves running through here, you know, hundreds of years ago or whatever it might be, but incredible elevation changes. It's like no other golf course that you'll see in sort of the, the greater Orlando area. So definitely a must play for anybody who comes to uh, Orlando. And your event will take place? Uh, it takes place the second week in May. And, um, you know, it's a it's a four-round tournament. And uh, we, we have players coming from, you know, uh, over 40 countries to, to compete in this event and uh, and try to be one of the 10 players who were in their LPGA Tour card. So it's a it's a great facility, incredible hospitality from uh, Bud Butcher and the, the whole family uh, here. So it's, it's a family-owned resort, and uh, you feel that hospitality when you're on site. And it's a good thing for Florida that is devoid of baseball this year, and that hurts their economy a lot. But thank goodness for golf. I mean, PGA Tour, we have all the events that have been taking place bay hill players championship the honda the valspar and then the lpga tournaments that were also throughout the area a little bit earlier in the season and of course yours in may so it keeps going and that's what keeps florida going yeah i mean with a lot of golf tournaments you reference all the pga tour events i believe the lpga has two events we had started with our tournament of champions at lake nona we played down in boca raton and then here on the epson tour we have uh, four events over the course of the year we just played uh, last week in winter haven which is in southwest orlando and uh, we finish uh, we'll play this event another event in sort of Orlando proper, and then we finish our season uh, when we award the 10 cards at our Daytona Beach headquarters uh, where the LPGA is uh, based. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> we know it very well. Well, listen, Mike Nichols, Chief Business Officer for the Epson Tour, the developmental tour for the women on the LPGA Tour. Wish you the best of luck, and it's going to be a great time out at Mission in Howie in the Hills. Thanks very much, Tony. Appreciate having me on. And Tony, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, Mike, we appreciate you spending some time with us. Uh, Andy, I got I got thoughts. <laughs> Let's start with, uh, I love the fact that Epson trying to elevate elevate women in professional golf. What's your thoughts? Yeah, look, I, I think the LPGA Tour, the LPGA has always been strong at the top uh, and it always will be strong at the top, but to really grow the game, you have to grow it from the bottom up um, at the competitive level. And, you know, what the, what the, the guys at Epson are doing and this new agreement is is just great because what it does, it provides an opportunity for people to, to see the stars a little bit, right. Meaning, you know, these developmental players can look at this as an opportunity and, and, you know, envision themselves making it all the way to the PGA tour. And, I know the Symmetra Tour did a good job with that, and and uh, Epson's really up the ante here. And and again, they're 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 going to make the future of the LPGA that much more healthy just because they're building this from the bottom up. And I think it's a great thing. 
Brendan, you, I mean, we saw the evolution of what is to the, the modern day corn fairy was the Ben Hogan way back in the day. Uh, Epson, I mean, it's, I think, I think Mike mentioned it. It's a, it's an Asian based company, but in, in the tournament field at, uh, down and down there this week, you have 40 people for 40 ladies, international ladies playing. They're not looking at it as, Hey, this Epson tour is only a U.S. based tour. This is an international community. Correct approach from them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, if you look at any of the models we've had from, you know, the PGA tour with the developmental stuff that they've done over the years, it's the building blocks. And, you know, it's, it's, it's really, really cool. Not just with this partnership with Epson um, and trying to build on what the Symmetra has done over the last couple of years, but then you throw some of these other puzzle pieces that are starting to come in with what Augusta national has done for the women's game and not just the women's game, what they've done with, you know, partnerships with Asia and Latin America. Um, It's a global game. It's probably, there's probably not a game on this planet that's more global. It's soccer. You can absolutely, uh, you know, talk about soccer, but golf is a global game. And, you know, that the course they played this past week, winter country club of winter Haven, some of the best greens and it's a hidden gem. And people, I'm going to chime. I'm going to chime in, but does that? And, and we don't want to dive go down this rabbit hole. But does that? Because we did last week. Does that merit the whole world tour mentality that uh, Greg's trying to get to? I mean, you're. It is a global game. I I no, I don't think so, because there's already the premium tours that have existed for years and years, um, and. I'm I'm a big fan of international golf. I, you know, uh, Golf Channel shows a lot of what happens on the European tour and the Asian tour, and I and I love watching that stuff for the simple fact of who's going to be the next players that come out of those tours to make it to the big stage. Which they all agree. You can ask any golfer from anywhere on this planet what the big stage is, and it's the PGA Tour, PGA and, the tour. LPGA, right. and the LPGA Tour. You know, so. And and they the women from all over the world dominate the LPGA tour. Um, it's very global from that respect in the women's game. Andy, I want to ask you to put your commissioner hat on for a moment. How do you, if if you're advising Epson, I'm gonna, I'm gonna put you on the spot. What do they got to do to take it take it to the next level and grow it? Look, I. I... I don't know that they have to do anything different than they're doing, which is just putting more focus on, on the development of, of young tour players. Right. And, and just literally by being there um, in the way that they are allows more, more girls to envision, you know, what could possibly be for them. And that just means that there's going to be more, more girls trying to make their way through the Epson tour and, I don't think they have to do anything special. I think just just their presence uh, does what needs to be done. I feel they, need, they need more representation, though, from media, and, and they need more eyeballs watching what they do. Yeah, sure. I, I would agree, I would agree with that. I, I think you know if I put on my my business manager hat, I think that the product, obviously, by throwing dollars at the at the purses, will attract more more quality talent. Yeah. Uh, to to come to this tour, but if if I were really to map it out, I would pick out the top twenty MSAs in the United States, and I'd make sure I have my tour event on one of the on the one of the best top three golf courses in those markets, and that would be my objective. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's good. Okay, that sounds almost like my uh, final thought, but it isn't. Brendan, eighteenth hole, final thoughts. It, it's a big week, uh, not just with the Players' Championship, but with with Tiger Woods being inducted. We all knew this was going to happen, but I think everybody will be uh, watching, if not live, watching the replay of how emotional he's going to get. I'm I'm interested to see how much this all, you know, with his career flashing before his eyes, so to speak, even though he's not done. I don't think he's done, but I just think – you know, this will be a very emotional thing for him uh, tomorrow, I think. Andy? Yeah, you know, people talk about the Masters being the, the 
beginning of the golf season. To me, it's this week. Yeah. Um, the players is really the start of, of the meat of the golf season. And it's the thing that gets me jacked up the most. And to be honest with you, for those, those two years that they had it in May, I was not a happy camper. I'm so <laughs> glad it's back in, in the month of March where it belongs. Um, and this is the kickoff of the golf season to me. And my final thoughts in the absence of Christian, uh, I'm going to have to say, please continue to follow us on all the social media channels. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. We're on every major podcast channel. Subscribe, rate us. That's how we can get more audience. That's how we can get to continue to grow this. Uh, it's been, it's been great. And I have one final thought. Because I feel for the guy, but it's like every man's. I have to give a shout out to, and I'm going to probably butcher his name, Rick Garboski, a Monday <laughs> Tour qualifier debuting on the Champions Tour at the Hogue Classic, playing with Mark Kalkabekia in the in the third round or second round. I don't have that in front of me. Drops two in the drink, ROBs, runs out of golf balls. They have to go get more from his locker. Incurs multiple two-stroke penalties for holding up play, ends up carding an eighty, but beats Kalkavecchia. Nice. <laughs> the end of the tournament. Rick, have a beer on us. The old <laughs> You're every man's <laughs> We all we all heard that story about Tiger almost ran out of balls in the 18th hole at Pebble, right? We've all been there. That's all I'm gonna say. That's my final shot. Uh, again, I don't have Christian, so Brendan, hit it long and straight. Uh, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot the tagline. You only have one opportunity to sell your golf property. Shouldn't you partner with an expert that offers you 30-plus years of golf industry experience combined with the reach of a global leader in real estate? Collier's International Golf Brokerage and Advisory Services understands your unique business needs. Whether it is brokerage, management, and consulting, be reassured that the market leader in the business of golf is providing you the real answers and practical solutions you deserve. Contact Golf Talk Live co-host and Collier's Golf Advisory Services member, Alan DePew, today at 717-554-8519. That's 717-554-8519.